Marcus steps up and buries it. This will be a wonderful goal. You're listening to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the ESPN Footy Pod. We have four teams left. Three games to go, two matches from the weekend that we absolutely can't wait to talk about and one big pod episode. So we absolutely can't wait to talk to you about all things footy. Before we begin though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri, Gadigal and Bunurong people and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For this very big footy episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Imogen Evans, Isadora McClay and Sarah Burt. So, girlies. What a weekend of footy. We've just been chatting off air and the vibes are high. The energy is high and I feel like those two games really match that. So obviously we had Adelaide dismantling the Swans, 82-15 to 15 in the first semi-final, And then a very surprising result in the other game. It was Geelong beating Melbourne by five points, which is... Crazy. I don't think it's a ga- it's a result rather that anyone expected or was maybe tipping. Maybe I'm wrong, but I reckon we've got to start with the Melbourne Geelong game because it was just insanity. Um, my favourite thing was watching Maddie Prasparkas watch the game and how absolutely hyped she was, just yelling "Go Cats" in front of her TV. But the reason she was yelling "Go Cats" is because Melbourne launched this absolutely unbelievable comeback late on in the last quarter, but couldn't get the job done. So how how did we get here? How did we get to a point of Geelong beating Melbourne, Dee's going out in straight sets? It's all a little bit insane. Like, I, I don't even know how to comprehend it. So do any of you, what would you prefer to talk about first? Geelong actually winning and getting this job done or Melbourne going out in straight sets? Because obviously... They're both things we need to talk about. Which one do we want to start with? Probably the demons um, that the demons will be fighting um, (laughs) for the rest of the week, probably till the grand final is complete, I'd say. Um, Yeah, look, not great. Um, The Melbourne curse lives on. Um, And, yeah, far from ideal, I'd say. But good on Geelong. I think it's... um, Excellent news for the competition. It kind of makes these in- things interesting. Everyone loves an underdog. Um, but, yeah, you just be kicking yourself at how you left it too late, hey? Yeah, I think that the main thing to – and I, I did say it last week as well, which um, I don't want to be repeating myself, but I actually really believe that this is where the demons – have fallen out of finals is just inaccuracy, which is so bizarre because they have the two leading goal kickers in the competition. They are the reigning premiers and for most of the season, a lot of us thought they were shoo-ins for the flag again. And the last two weeks we have just seen a completely different side, which again is bizarre because it's not like they've had any dramatic list changes. They have so much depth have had so much depth up until the last two weeks um, and nothing dramatic has shifted in like any of their three more main formations. So um, I think a lot of it was inaccuracy. I think a lot of it is pressure. Um, Maybe they just had so much expectation on themselves that um, 
that they were going to then come through and get into the grand final that they actually just couldn't handle it. I don't know. It'll be we were talking before this. It'll be interesting to see um, if they make any list changes now that their season is over, um, even though they have had such a fantastic season so far. Um, but yeah, absolutely amazing by the cats. But I think it was the it was the combination, as you say, Riss, of. Geelong having an absolutely prolific game and the Demons just not being able to get it between the sticks. Is how do you explain yeah. it? Yeah. I just think it's interesting in the last three weeks, um, the Demons have only scored one goal in the first quarter and that was in round 10, which is something that was like unheard of at the start of the year. They were probably like one of the highest scoring teams and literally unbeatable. I don't think anyone really knew like, if anyone was going to beat them. So it's just crazy. Um, and I don't know if it kind of shows a bit like more to North's win. We were saying that's probably the best win, but the way that they've been kind of able to bomb out kind of makes you, I don't know, I've been unsure if, you know, North is as good as we were talking about like two weeks ago. Um, but their comeback in the last quarter, I reckon if it played out for like another five minutes, they would have won. So yeah, there's a lot to think about there. That point about like the momentum and if the game was a little bit longer, they probably would have run over the top of Geelong is a really good point and one that other people have noted because it was just ferocious. It felt like Eden Zanka was like, you know what? The rest of you get on my back. I'm going to win this game by myself. If you guys want to help, whatever, I don't even care. I'm literally just going to keep kicking goals. Um and try and win this game for us. But um, I feel like obviously we will, not not just us, kind of the footy world will obviously be dissecting what has gone wrong for the Ds and um, how they turn it around. I think it is a really interesting discussion about whether they do kind of stick with what they've got and just find other ways to use the list that they have so that maybe they're a bit more... um, flexible and able to adapt and if plan a doesn't work they can move to a plan b or if they're like this doesn't work anymore we need to kind of ring in wholesale changes i think that's going to be a really interesting story to watch over the off season but we do need to talk of the go for it yeah on i was just gonna say do you think and i know that you made this point earlier that the demons have just been figured out by the competition and after 10 rounds um, or nine rounds, really, um, they came into this competition not having to change anything, really. Literally, they had one person leave and that was Daisy who retired. And we have seen them play, perform, do almost exactly replicate what they were doing last year. So maybe everyone is just across it. And, I mean, they say don't mess with a good thing, but... Um, maybe they needed to to keep a bit of mystery maybe um you know all of the coaches and all of the players have had their eyes so firmly glued on the d's all season maybe they did need to pull a bit of a um rabbit out of a hat for finals and they just haven't done it i'd be interested to hear what you guys think especially from a player's perspective do you just look at that and think well they haven't changed how they play all year um that's how they'll perform in finals or do you expect them to mix things up um, I think it well they've like they're so strong and it works. And I understand the you know premise of anything can happen in finals clearly, but um 
just with their list and the strength of it, I think with the game plan they had, I feel like that was optimising the strengths of the players they had. Um, and on their good day, like, they're so dominant, as we've seen. Um, so I think it's kind of – I agree with Isadora in the fact, like, if that game did play out for a little bit longer, Melbourne probably would have won. So I think it comes back to Melbourne just executing their game plan because I just don't think they did that to um, to the level that they needed to, which is why Geelong was so dominant until the kind of – last half of the game yeah I would agree and I think yeah they've had I think teams have had enough time um to work them out especially the I would say the better teams a few of them had played them already and I guess they were quite close losses so I think little shifts in that were able to work out the game plan because if it's not broken why fix it and I think that's probably how they went in to finals thinking um but yeah finals are a completely different game like anything happens I reckon it's a situation where it probably wasn't broken, but there was some sort of crack in it, and that's where the good teams were able to like focus on that and maybe apply more pressure to it and obviously get the wins. Because I think the other thing is all of their losses have felt very similar. Maybe it's because they've like happened consecutively, but it does feel like there was a, a clear way to beat Melbourne. And if you were good enough to follow that formula, you were going to get the end result, which was a win over Melbourne. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's really, really interesting. But um, we do need to talk a little bit about Geelong because obviously they did win this game. They are into a prelim. Um, they had never won a final before this season and now they're into a prelim, which absolutely rules as a stat. Um but, Sarah, I'll start with you. Who impress, impressed you, rather, from Geelong? How did they actually go about this win? Um, yes, I did say to you guys before I jumped on here, I was at a friend's wedding on Sunday afternoon and um, Geelong won during the ceremony while they were doing the vows. And I could feel I could feel the AFL app vibrating in my clutch. And I was like, I need to check this. I was like all emotional. I was so happy for them, but I was also like, I'm, I'm emotional about what's happening in my handbag right now. Um, so I, as I said to you guys, I watched it afterwards um, and read all about it. So I didn't get to watch it in real time, which I'm very sad about. Um, as you say, um, the fourth quarter I actually thought was a little bit disappointing by the Cats. I think they kind of let themselves down, um, but they will just be so grateful that they put in that hard work earlier on. Um, but I think like we've seen the last couple of weeks, the Cats absolutely just um, like they just band together. And, I mean, there were a couple of stars of the show. Nina Morrison, who we now know has injured herself, they're going to be without her next week. Um, but Nina Morrison's just a great story, isn't she? Like just was was she number one draft pick or two in the top? Yeah, number one. Um, then did her ACL, then was out, then came back, had a slow sort of year and then just absolutely has been prolific in the competition the whole time. She's finally having her time to shine and I'm really, really excited for someone like Nina to experience that because she is really, um, really important to that side. Georgia Prasparkas, as usual, 13 tackles. That is insane. <laughs> that is actually, that's a very Prasparkas stat. Um, 
but it is, yeah. And as you mentioned, um, there was that video on um, the cats or the AFMW Insta of her sister Maddie going nuts, um, which was amazing. And Maddie crying. I don't think we've ever seen Maddie. I mean, we, we know she gets emotional. She gets a bit of white line fever, but seeing her um, shed a tear, that was quite a beautiful moment. <laughs> um, but I think particularly those two were the best for me, Nina Morrison and Georgie Prasparkas. They um, have been huge all year and were huge. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fill that Nina Morrison-sized gap on the weekend. Is which cats did you like? Um, yeah, mine was probably Georgie Presparkus. Um, just her at ground level, especially in that last quarter, some of the like the stuff she was doing um, really saved them. So she was probably my, one of my favourite. Also, um, Darby was probably also really good. She was able to go forward and back and was kind of a game saver for them, which was um, really good. And then obviously Nina Morrison. But, yeah, it'll be interesting how they go next year without um, Chloe Shear and Nina Morrison, probably their two best players the whole year so but I'm really happy for them <laughs> I love how you threw them because um, I believe you it just sounded because it was just a little bit like sus <laughs> anyway um I think Amy McDonald was pretty um impressive as well putting two goals on in the first quarter I think um and just having an overall around the ground impact I think that yeah, she was one of the puzzle pieces that just helped along complete their task on the day. I'm glad you mentioned Amy because I was going to mention her, mention her if none of you did, but it was it, it felt like a real team performance from the Cats. I feel like Shelley Scott was fantastic, Jack Parry was fantastic, Ash Maloney again, just Velcro hands. Um, so it was just a really strong performance from the Cats. We'll talk a little bit about the prelim in a second, but we'll go to the other semi-final um, from the weekend, which was obviously the the big win for Adelaide over the Swans. Um, just a clear kind of difference in class, um, difference in experience is probably a more polite way of putting it. But, um, yeah, the Crows were at their absolute best and the Swans – um, I don't remember which one of you said it, but was it, you basically said they were with them for a, a little bit, but it was a very little bit, unfortunately. So, um, um, Imo, I know you had some some thoughts and some opinions on this one. So how did you see it shake out? Um, firstly, I thought that the Swans in the start of the second quarter had some quite promising signs. They really... Um, held on to the ball for a bit, controlled the pace of the game. But, yeah, as we kind of can see or saw, um, the Crows didn't let them have that for long. Um, one of the things I picked up I thought was interesting was just like ground balls. It's a simple fundamental, but I thought um, Sydney had a few opportunities to kind of play some quick ball movement and catch the Crows, um, I guess, not expecting like – fast ball over the back kind of situation. Um, but just the inability to kind of complete the basic fundamental under pressure really let them down in a few situations. Whereas if you kind of looked at the Crows, especially coming out of the Swans back 50, they were super clean and able to just get that quick ground ball, handball out to someone who's in support and then just transition the ball straight back into their forward 50. Um, 
So, I mean, a small thing, but in the scheme of it, I think had a pretty big difference. Um, and I guess to what you said, Marissa, it just shows, yeah, the kind of different levels of the teams because certainly they would have been feeling some pressure. Is the Crows were just like phenomenal. Were there any kind of standouts that you wanted to highlight and just heap praise on? Because they're bloody good when they're good. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously Anne Hatchard was amazing. Um, their experience within that team is so good. And with Sarah Allen back in that back line and um, Chelsea Bedell, they're quite a good duo to have, especially taking on North um, and Torford. But, yeah, their back line was just also so good. Like, they're all so well-connected. Um, and just their footy smarts are so much better. And, yeah, the skill level comparing them both, it just showed. And I guess you can't have that much reliance on Chloe Malloy. She does some great things, but I think she probably um, – yeah, I think we also need, like, the thing with Adelaide is that they have, like, 14 other Chloe Malloys doing the same sort of thing. So, yeah. Imagine a team of 14 Chloe Malloys, though, and then just a couple of other stragglers. Like, that's a that's an interesting team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Sarah, I oh suppose... You wouldn't need a coach, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, do your thing. Like, have fun out there. Like, don't stress. Have fun. Um, Zara, with the Swans, um, obviously I've harped on about it a lot in terms of their turnaround from season seven to season eight. Obviously this is not how they wanted their season to end, but how do we or how should the Swans take this and then look forward to season nine? Like are you expecting kind of more progression down the line in terms of finals? Yeah, and you say it's not how they wanted their season to end, but I don't think they would have gone into this season realistically thinking they were going to be in the grand final. Like, none of us did. Uh, I mean, and to be honest, well, and as Imo said earlier, you never know what's going to happen in finals, but I don't, don't think many of us expected them to be in finals at all. So for them to finish up fifth or sixth at the end is amazing. Um, it's a it's a very far cry from where they were last year. They didn't win a game. So um, in some ways I think it probably is the best possible scenario really outside of like literally just winning the grand final, which, you know, is was probably unlikely. Um, but I think I do think that they're going to continue to improve next year. I also think it would be in my professional selection and coaching opinion, I think it would be weird of them to make many changes um, outside of people retiring or whatever to their list because they've certainly gelled, particularly in the back half of this season. Um, And now they've got finals experience. I think it would be worth keeping that team together and really gelling, um, building on that cohort, I think. So, I'm I'm expecting big things from them next year. I really am. Um, and they will go in with that confidence of knowing that they can do it. Um, I suppose, though, they will have to deal with the opposite effect of what they've been saying has been behind their success, which is that they love the underdogs and they just, like, they love being the underdogs, sorry, and they just go for it and they thrive off that. Um, but next year we're probably all expecting them to improve again so um they won't have that underdog status and um and they will experience that sort of expectation side of things so um i think 
that will be the difference. Um, I think the other thing will be they'll have to work on not relying on Chloe Malloy just so much as they do. They're going to need to focus on building up the fitness and strength of some of the others around there because um, you never know what's going to happen. And if Chloe were to drop out of the side for some reason or another, then uh, they probably would not have got as far as they did. But one thing I did want to say is I was impressed by the Swans early on in the game that they, I thought their defence was really, really good. They struggled, obviously, as we can see on the scoreboard, to get goals, but I thought they defended against the Crows really well, which is no small feat. Um, but, yes, in answer to your question, <laughs> I think we can expect big things from them next year. They'll also have a harder draw next year, which will be interesting. I think that'll be really key to see, like, was this a one-season kind of wonder or can they sustain it? The other really good thing is, I suppose, is um, I was looking into it for an article on ESPN.com.au and you can read that now. Just the fact that, like, the kind of core group of players that have really emerged this season are, like, Laura Gardner, she's only 20. Lucy McAvoy, 22. Montana Ham, 19. Ali Morford, only 20. And even Chloe Malloy, like, we know that she is a bona fide superstar. She's only 24. So, like, this is a young list that now has a good season in them, finals experience. Like, they could really build something here. Um, although there are some rumours that the dogs are uh, offering heaven and earth to Ali Morfitt to come down. So that's one to keep an eye on. Um, tra- it's almost that trade season, so baby. <laughs> Um, and people that would actually that would be big that would be the Chloe Malloy that would be huge and huge for the dogs as well because they need to fix many things but that's a that's a bulldogs problem we won't get into that let's quickly preview these two prelims because they are two massive games so obviously we'll have Brisbane and Geelong on Saturday night and then North v Adelaide Sunday Arvo so um, I feel like Brisbane should beat Geelong, but North and Adelaide seems a bit more 50-50. So I would love all of your kind of tips and little explanations as to how you're feeling about the two prelims. Sarah, I'll start with you. Your tips, basically, who are you picking and why? Show your reasoning, show your working out. I'm going to go the opposite to you. And I had already decided that before you said it. Um, but I think, I think, well, I don't, no, I don't think the Cats will beat Brisbane. I think it's very hard. Um, they're in their home ground. They've got so much finals experience. They're used to the heat. I don't know what the heat's going to be like, but they are more used to it. Um, Geelong, I mean, they've, as we know, like they've been playing every week. They're exhausted. They're missing Nina Morrison. Um, I think they're looking really strong, but I would probably be surprised if the Lions didn't win that game. But I think I think that the Crows are going to beat North by a decent margin, which actually makes me really sad to say because I have loved North Melbourne all year. But um, seeing how the Crows performed, again, they were sort of, I can't remember how you exactly worded it, but they were clearly in a league of their own above Sydney. Um, 
North is certainly going to take it up to the plate more than last week, but the Crows have more experience. Um, they're fitter. They've got more depth. Um, and I think they're just, they probably don't feel that sort of pressure. Whereas North, um, I mean, neither of them are a home game for them, but for North, it'll be a home crowd because it's in Melbourne. Um, and I think um, it will be very, very hard to beat the Crows. It's just very hard to beat the Crows ever in finals. Um, but my God, I would love to see North win. That would be so, so good for the league. Um, but Sadly, I just can't see it happening. Hmm. I think I agree with everything you just said, Sarah. Um, Yeah, Brisbane are so scary. Um, And I think there's kind of like that, I don't know, kind of the same kind of fear that was surrounding Collingwood this year is in like they never say die. Um, You can never really feel safe when you are playing against them, Um, especially up there home ground um and yeah Adelaide kind of have the same thing they are such a strong side they've dominated for so long they had an easier game on the weekend found a good groove they didn't sink to the level of the Swans which is something that some teams do struggle with when they play lesser sides um so I think yeah everything is kind of falling in the Crows favor in yeah in my expert coaching player AFL expert opinion, so yes, as we all saw. We've really upskilled this last week, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, compared to last week, but whatever, we'll go with it. Um, yeah, I would have to agree. I think uh, Adelaide will win. I just also think they're just building on momentum at the moment and North has had that week off. They smashed Melbourne. Um, I'm just, yeah, I feel like Adelaide – We'll get the win, and they've just got so much experience in that side. So I'm predicting a Adelaide Brisbane grand final. We've never seen one of those before, have we? <laughs> <laughs> I of, um, you know, in the Devil Wears Prada when she's like florals for spring. It's like Adelaide Brisbane grand final in the AFLW groundbreaking. Um, but no, I don't think it's a bad shout at all. But I will say. If North Melbourne do beat Adelaide and then they meet a Brisbane in a grand final, can you imagine just like the North Melbourne redemption tour of basically not being able to beat the other three teams in the top four and then just knocking them off one by one to win a flag? That would be an excellent story. Um, I don't <laughs> know if it's likely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it would be a great story. Um but yeah, it's it's gonna be a huge week of prelims. Prelim week is always massive. Um, but before we wrap up today, we've got two little bits of news that we're going to talk about. So it was very funny podcast timing. If any of you have ever done a podcast, you will know that there's always going to be at least one week where you record something and then massive news breaks literally within an hour of you finishing recording. So you can't address it on that pod. And that's what happened to us last week. We literally press stop on the recording and then the Bulldogs announced that they were parting ways with Nathan Burke. So the Doggies will need a new coach and Berkey will be looking for a new job after what was a disappointing season. I don't think anyone would say anything to the contrary there. And then during the week, we also had the more surprising news of Bette Goddard stepping away from Hawthorne. We know that she's a fantastic coach, inaugural um, premiership winning coach with the Crows back in 2017. Um, 
so I suppose would love your guys' thoughts on these two departures, what it means for these clubs, what it means for these coaches. There's now four teams, I believe, looking for new coaches. So there's going to be a bit of movement in the box. But um, what do we make of these two departures from these coaches? Yeah, well, it certainly feels like Mercury's in retrograde for all AFLW coaches. So I'd probably my message to them is watch out. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I actually, I, I think Berkey's tenure, we all kind of probably saw it coming. Um, but Beck Goddard, not so much. Um, I didn't think that the Hawks' performance or lack thereof or whatever you want to interpret their season as was generally called for this. Um but yes, interesting nonetheless. And yeah, it'll be super exciting to see all these coaches come into the competition and what they can kind of do for the teams. And maybe we'll see some new styles of gameplay. Um, but yeah, hate to be a coach. Well, not really, but anyway, it's part of the job, isn't it? I think you got a few more years as a player in, in you before you get down that road, Imo. Well, <laughs> touch wood. Touch the wood, people. We hope so, but yeah. Anyway, you never do know. I reckon we should get Berkey on the pod. He's a good egg. He's looking for a job. Come on down. He does podcast vibes in the sense that, like, looks like he loves a yarn. Would make a silly joke as we enjoy doing here as well. I I rate it. Come on down. Mate. Yeah, I worked with Berkey at um, ABC and he's always been very good. So hopefully he picks up a bit more work there or something. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up back in the coaching ranks at some point. But it was, um, yeah, I agree with him. It wasn't a huge surprise, but um, it's sad. And often the coach is the first one to go. I think we said this about your coach, Imo. Like it's the first sort of like big cut I suppose and then in the off season there's more time to make um, list adjustments if they're so needed but um, it's kind of a big shock I assume yes. amongst the ranks when it's the the head coach heading yeah. out the door first. I think it's a necessary reminder as well of that this is like your job it's a form of employment um and it can sometimes get super, like, cloudy with all the relationships you have with everyone at the club on a personal level. But at the end of the day, it's a business. And the CEOs are there to make money. The AFL's there to make money, get people watching. So, yeah, it is. And your contract is based on your performance. So, unfortunately, that's how the world works. So, speaking of that, Beck Goddard. I was shocked by that, but I do wonder if maybe it was a situation of she may or may not have had another season or two with the Hawks and maybe it was her decision to um, step out before um, the decision was made for her because I the only reason I say that, and I think Beck has been doing a good job and I think the Hawks have improved, um, but I do think, um, I mean, we're seeing a lot of movement 
Um, but also the entire league is in such a state of change. Like we're in that stage now where it's a couple of years since we've had everyone in the competition. There's a lot of movement. It appears to me like there's a lot more ruthless decision-making happening. I think we're kind of past the stage of um, let's let everyone feel their way out and, um, you know, like we're all learning. I feel like now the... I feel like it's, yeah, we're getting to the pointy end of, okay, well, yeah, you're right, Emo, this is a business. Um, if you're not doing what we need for this club, then unfortunately you're going to have to look elsewhere. And I think we are seeing a lot more of that in the women's competition. And Beck has been around the traps long enough to probably know that that um, could be something in the pipeline if the Hawks don't um, sort of start getting up to scratch with some of the other expansion sides. That would be my opinion. And I think it's kind of silver lining to this as well. I think this kind of decision-making mirrors the growth of the competition from a professional kind of standpoint. Um, I think this is the same ruthlessness is something that is seen in the AFL. Like that's just what it is. Um, So it's a good thing in the sense of like the competition is getting more serious. There's more money there, these decisions have a lot more weight than, say, previous years. Um, Yeah, so just an interesting little point. Yeah, I think for Beck it's probably good to leave on a high rather than (laughs) a messy departure because, yeah, she was their first coach and definitely will remain in history there, also being their first VFLW coach. So um, definitely will be part of history for a while and, um, yeah, teams just are looking to be better, which is probably good for the growth of AFLW. No one's okay with just being okay anymore. I reckon that's a very good point, and obviously we'll watch over the off-season as all of these positions get filled and lists change and we'll start gearing up for 2024, which is not very far away at all. But first of all, we've got a prelim and a grand final to get through, so obviously we will talk to you all next week about the prelims. Remember to get your footy tips in. You can read a whole bunch of excellent stuff over on ESPN.com.au, but until then, we'll see you all next week. Don't miss another episode of the ESPN Footy Pod by subscribing wherever you stream your podcasts.